Welcome to the post-Thanksgiving edition of the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm Seth Everett, the head odds maker at BavadaSportsbook.com. It's the one, the only. You know him, you love him. Patrick Morrow is here. Patrick, I hope you've had a great weekend. I uh, had a good uh, Thanksgiving, even though in Canada they don't celebrate Thanksgiving. They do it like a month prior. Um, why they couldn't synchronize, I don't understand. But still, it was a sports cornucopia. It was a ton of games. Uh, college games were everywhere. There was NFL was like felt like every day. Uh, it was really a lot of fun. A lot of football and a lot of other things as well. The NBA had their in-season tournament, which couldn't have done well in the ratings just because it was going up against so many things. It was a crazy, crazy sports weekend. Seth, once again, I have to uh, give you applause for just an outstanding introduction. I mean, each week, uh, I, don't, I don't want you to stop. You do, you do such a great job. First of all, you say such lovely things <laughs> about me. You're so excited about the sports. You once again got Thanksgiving wrong because I did celebrate uh, American Thanksgiving and you know, I did the turkey. I did. Uh, I did the potatoes. I did the. No, homemade but that's your choice. Sauce. That's you doing it. It's your your country. I think that's even that. better. Well, you know, my country gets a lot of things wrong, and uh, you know, I'm not going to list <laughs> them all off country. today. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. We could we could spend more than 30 minutes uh, discussing the state of Canada and the U.S. today, but I don't think that's why the good folks are uh, joining us here on the Bavada at Odds podcast. But uh, no, it's it's good. It's uh God, it's I got I got to switch to soups and salads this week, Seth. Uh, that's Thanksgiving giveth, Thanksgiving taketh away, and uh, a little too much turkey, potatoes, and maybe a couple extra rolls for this guy. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, we we made it. We got through the other end of it. Books got killed this weekend. We got absolutely smashed. Um, you know, it was definitely Black Friday for the players at Bavada with how results went on Thursday, Friday, and into Sunday. But uh, yeah, here's hoping that uh, that's that because I think it was actually. We ran the numbers this past weekend. It was the most we had lost uh, in about a year and a half over the course of a weekend over at Bavada. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so we're doing this with no uh, additional resources today, folks. This is paper no, cup and string. Uh, ho- hopefully sound OK, because the budget might get cut soon. <laughs> yeah, the first thing they cut is this podcast. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> um, you know, it was funny. Uh, Saturday, all my teams were in action in fairly mm-hmm. big games. Arsenal started, they played Brentford, and if they won, they were top of the table. And then Syracuse needed a win to be bowl eligible. And then my New Jersey Devils, who had been scuffling, needed a win. And I happen to have tickets with the kids uh, and my wife. Uh, We got to go to the game. Arsenal won, Syracuse won. Arsenal's top of the table in the Premier League. Uh, Syracuse is bowl eligible with an interim coach and the devils crush the Buffalo Sabres. What a sports day on Saturday. Every other day, <laughs> Friday, I went to the Jets Dolphins game. Yikes. There you go. That, 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 that was the penance you had to pay ahead of time to get That's that right. good sports Saturday. Yeah. And my kids wound up through a weird confluence of events. They were at the devil's game playing Columbus at the same time. And uh, they were texting updates. It was it was hysterical. And at one point, the Devils fell behind on fr- on Friday, and we got the text from my daughter. And I was like, "Oh, that stinks." And the guy next to me goes, "Well, don't you care that the Jets are losing?" And I said, "Yeah, but the Jets know they're awful. The Devils like to think they have something left for their season. They had much more at stake than the Jets do. The Jets are just they're putrid, man. 
they get a pick six, and on the next play, they throw a Hail Mary, and it goes 99 yards for a touchdown. Come on. That is such a Jets thing to do. Yeah, I, I didn't tune into the second half after the first half ended uh, the way it did. Uh, boy, got to be got to be tough when um, the organization thinks Tim Boyle is the better answer than Zach Wilson. That uh, that doesn't say too much about Zach Wilson. But uh, yeah, no, it was good. I, I got an early start to my evening after that pick six just before the half and what was just one of the many, many poor results. But um, I, I got to say, I'm still I'm still in shock of how that Alabama Auburn game ended on Saturday. Just. I mean, I'm sure I wore through uh, some grooves in the floor in my office here in Montreal because I was just pacing back and forth. At <laughs> first, they fumbled the punt. Then uh, it was it was fourth and goal from the 31. Um, I I could not believe it. I'm someone who has been there, seen it all, you know, calculated these tail end events that you're just like, no, you know, that Alabama should no longer be in the college football playoff discussion. And yet somehow they are. And they are one of the more right. They are. They are. They are. That, that was, you know, that was not as good as the kick six. Of course, of course, of course. But the probability of that play succeeding, it's not just that they had to gain 31 yards for a touchdown. It's that the pass had to be completed inside that very tight 10 yard end zone. They're not dealing with those Canadian football end zones where you've got a full <laughs> kilometer to uh, track your wide receiver. The right. only sport where you can go uh, for a deep pass on the one-yard line is the CFL. No, they had that tight 10-yard window, and God help me, they uh, found a way to get it in there. It, it was a hell of a game. It was a great weekend uh, from just the quality of the games in uh, all sports. All the so, games, yeah. Uh, everything was I, just, uh, I, I, I wish I was the better this weekend, not the bookie, that's for sure. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fantastic. And as far as the NFL is concerned, the question of the Philadelphia Eagles comes in because, you know, let's face it, they are as good as their record says they are, right? That's the Parcells rule. They are lucky, 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 lucky. Like Buffalo should have won that game. Yeah, I mean, and, and that was right up there. And uh, gosh, you know, it was funny. It was just, I actually, I made this note to somebody. I was like, Alabama QBs are just doing me in this weekend because Saturday, yep. And then Jalen Hurts on Sunday. Some of the moves he made against the Bills. You're absolutely right. The Bills should have won that game. And not only should they have won, they should have blown the doors off the Eagles. They absolutely controlled that game for the vast majority of it. And uh, goodness, yeah. it reminded me of that Bills-Chiefs uh, AFC Championship game a couple of years back. It's like, okay, surely the Bills have it now. And they continued, continued, continued to get in their own way. Uh, you know, valiant effort from Josh Allen. Still a little too much gunslinger in me for my liking. I am worried that in five years... Uh, he's going to be looking a little bit more like Brett Favre and sending uh, some pictures to sideline reporters than being a top five QB in the league. Whoa. But Whoa. that is, he is a gunslinger out there. He is, and he's making poor decisions. That's he not had a high the comparison of Brett Favre I was going to make. I, well, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's, you know, gunslinging on the field, and then there's the little gun that you share with uh, sideline reporters. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I, I don't know what you do with this Bills team. They're barely bowl eligible, Seth. Yeah, they are. <laughs> but they're six and six that's uh that, that's syracuse that's football stuff that's not buffalo bills football no they're I'm sorry that was a better. cheap shot yeah <laughs> yikes <laughs> wow patrick morrow just deal. got me got me in a weird mood today you know what i've been watching too much first take lately so we're just we're gonna embrace debate we're gonna have hot takes over here we'll we'll see which ones land and uh that's the first new direction take. the show's gonna go. would you lose your remote yeah. I know. I've, I've never watched first take when I go to co the Costa Rica office, they throw it on the TV every now and again. And um, I hope it's just something that they have to just have on in the background with the scroll at the bottom and that they're not eagerly, uh, you know, 
being informed by the likes of uh, Davis and, uh, no, sorry, that's Clay Davis, uh, Skip Bayless, Skip Bayless and uh, Shannon Sharp and whoever else the chuckleheads of uh, rotating uh, nonsense they have going through there. But no, why not? Let's listen. We have to, we have to do something about ratings. Ratings are fine, but let's, let's go crazy. What What's your hottest sports take of the day, Seth, that you'd be afraid to say otherwise? My hottest. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, it's because of sports with friends. Uh, two versus three is so much better than three out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Tennis. That's baby. not. Oh man. That's. Yeah, you're wrong. You're wrong. That's okay. I was hoping hotter, but that's okay. That's well, if I can plug another podcast, uh, uh, Patrick M- uh, McEnroe, not Patrick Morrow, <laughs> Patrick mm. McEnroe, uh, the uh, the the tennis great and uh, the brother of John and the commentator of tennis. Uh, he and I got into a heated uh, two versus two two out of, uh, two out of three versus three out of five debate, uh, and I thought of you. I'm genuinely shocked to hear that a McEnroe brother let his emotions get the best of him and uh, allowed a tennis discussion to get heated. Just shocked, shocked, shocked. But uh, I hope you held your own. I hope you held your own, even though. Can I tell you something about the the Skip Bayless uh, show? I have never seen the Skip Bayless show. I never saw him when he was on ESPN. I never. The only reason I know what he looks like is because of the promos that air during NFL games. That's it. Right. I have never seen a game, a show that he's done. And it's his takes. I, I, you know, look, I see his social media and his takes are stupid. And, you know, he, 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 he's, he's an idiot, but I've never watched his show. And I've never, there was one time somebody was going to put it on in a dentist office and mm-hmm. I asked them not to. I said, nah. There's a, I, I wish I could think of the account, but there's more than more than a few, I guess, that uh, they do like Skip Bayless parodies, uh-huh. and every some version of it is, you know, I'm not saying that the Stalinist gulags were great, and then it's like Shannon Sharp nodding in the background, huh? and it's like, but, <laughs> and it's just he, they, they do the, that for literally every historical like you know tragedy, atrocity, anything else, right, right, right. like you know, I'm not saying you know 9/11 was that, but. I'm not even going to finish that one, but uh, you get the you get the idea of the way the accounts go. But that and that is that, yeah. So I, I've seen more of the fake Skip Bayless takes than I've seen the real ones to get a good <laughs> idea of what exactly uh, the shtick is. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's not for me. It's not for me either. I, but you know what? There's there's not a lot of good. Oh, this is going to sound depressing. Not a lot of good, great, good uh, sports content out there. Or, or maybe just for someone like me, it's I want to see the live sports. I like the preview shows. Like we've talked about, uh, we like um, Inside the NBA. We like the NBA on TNT uh, preview show. Probably more than we like the NBA itself. Uh, so, right. uh, you know, it's not that there's all content is bad, but that's just such, that first take stuff. It's low-hanging fruit content. It's the easiest of the easiest. And it doesn't cost anything to do. Just just literally have, it shouldn't even be called first take. It should be called hot take or bad take. <laughs> That's right, Skip Bayless. You're not safe here. No take. No take. No take. Yep. No take is good too. <laughs> in a world in a world of too many takes, I think most of us would be better off served lessening our takes, reducing our takes. <laughs> we should all aspire to less takes. But this wouldn't make for much of a podcast if that was the case. So I suppose we'll just soldier on. That's true. That's that's definitely true. Um what else? What else? What else can we do? Go, go ahead and segue that, Seth. <laughs> uh, You're not... the pro. I'm just along for the ride. 
speaking of hot takes, uh, how's the NBA's in-season tournament doing? I don't know. No, but you're right. Like you, you, you teed that up before, and uh, Seth, listen, this is why I've got someone who's in charge of basketball, so I don't have to worry about basketball. But yeah, exactly. I, I, I will tell tell you as the tournament, uh, you know, progressing along, we, we are, we are mindful of some of the various tiebreakers around margin of victory. That uh, you know, if it's keeping games maybe a little bit closer at the end, which has been you know kind of good in the sense that. Uh, I mean, I don't, well, I mean, it depends how you feel about it. Nobody wants to see like a foul fest when you're down 15 inside a minute. But generally speaking, you're seeing these teams um, give up a little bit less uh, and try and keep things a little bit closer just because of how much that margin can mean when it comes to progressing inside of the tournament. But otherwise, it's just, uh, again, we give the NBA credit because they tried something. But you do any of this stuff when NFL is going, when college football is going, and everything else is back. College basketball is back, and it's just it's it's too much. It doesn't stand out. Now, right, right. Like anything Um, else, you start this on Christmas. Christmas should always be the start of the NBA season each year. Have it go play more into the summer a little bit because basketball. Listen, I I consider basketball an outdoor, more summery sport. It's in the summer Olympics. We don't have ice hockey in the summer Olympics. Start the NBA on Christmas Day. Start it with your stupid little tournament on that day. Shouldn't call it a stupid little tournament, but your silly little tournament. Start on Christmas <laughs> Day. Play it into the summer. The inner skip if you start on Christmas out. Day, I'm in. I know, I know. Well, I, I will say this. Um, I can I can I can attest to it in this perspective. The Celtics lost to Orlando over the weekend. And it was an in-season tournament game, and thus they are not in the driver's seat now. They have the best record by like five games in their division, but they are not in the driver's seat in their group, and they have to win and they need help. It is November, and there was a lot at stake in a Celtics Magic game. I mean... And I only know that because I was doing to the radio for it. Look, it's not drawing me as a viewer, but you're right. We we don't we don't watch the NBA either. Anyway, it, it, that doesn't make a difference. What makes the difference is there's a storyline that w- normally wouldn't exist if the Celtics go to Orlando in the middle of November when all this football is going on. Like that's a legitimate storyline. There was a lot at stake in that game. To that end. Good for them. Yeah, I mean, it's again, I'll give them credit for something different. I just was making myself laugh a second ago because I could see, uh, you know, Lakers have been doing quite well so far in this in-season tournament. And uh, real Skip Bayless take would be, uh, you know, can he really be the GOAT if LeBron doesn't win an in-season tournament? I mean, surely Michael would have won two, three, five in-season tournaments if they were around. So if LeBron doesn't, you know, bookend his career with at least one, maybe two in-season tournaments, you know, was he really all that good? So I don't know. It's a, uh, I'm a huge, LeBron I appreciate fan. the NBA trying to do that. it. I but like LeBron. I, I, I don't mind LeBron either. Um, You know, it was just uh his Daryl Morey Hong Kong thing. He got wrong, but otherwise, listen, I'm going to have a lot of bad takes in my life as well. Uh, Probably more in the recording of this one episode than LeBron has had publicly. <laughs> yeah, so that's okay. I, I'm start not, here. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to hold that against him too much. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting wrinkle, but it's just, this is, you could do anything with the NBA in October, in November, in early December, and you're just not going to be able to pry my eyes away it's, from college it's football. No and risk, NFL. all reward. Yeah. So from from that point of view, I mean, if that was their takeaway, um, that we could try this because yeah, there's not really it doesn't cost them anything to do aside for half a million per player, but 
uh, which is pocket change. Pocket change for them. Um, I mean, it's, I shouldn't say it's pocket change, but uh, yeah, it just in terms of traction, in terms of moving the needle, uh, I've, Seth, I've been doing this since 2007. And since 2007, I Christmas Day is when I pay attention to NBA and not a day sooner. And it's not because I hate the NBA. It's just there's too much going on to compete for eyes. And uh, it's just it's it's not my default sport either. Um, I'm, I'm ice hockey. I'm American football. I'm European football or soccer. And the NBA is great, but not in November. Right. It's just not in November. That's that's the only issue. And too many regular season games and issues with load management. That's that's also correct. That's also correct. Um, and only like seven or eight teams can win. But besides that, the NBA is great. All right. Last week was rivalry weekend in college football. This week, it's all the championship games, all the conference championship games that you can find. Let's highlight a couple of them here. Number six, Oregon against number four, Washington in Las Vegas. The key for this is both these teams will be in the Big Ten next year. So this is their Pac-12 finale and a chance for Washington to get into that top four for the college football national championship playoff. Yeah, that's right, Seth. This one is uh, a pretty close to a win-in-your-in game for both Oregon and Washington. Um, they met previously this season uh, Washington was the home team in that game, and they came up with a three-point victory. Really, really good back-and-forth one. Uh, looking at the odds in this one, Oregon are currently nine-point favorites at this neutral site game. Um, you know, coming into this one, Seth, you have uh, both Michael Penix and Bo Nix uh, right there at the top of the Heisman board. And so uh, both of these guys will be looking to shore up their credentials in this one. And again, you know, uh, it's interesting that Washington comes into this one as an underdog, because they haven't lost uh, a single game all year. They played a lot of close ones, including that one against Oregon. But even finishing off against Washington State was a little tight. Oregon State the week prior. So Washington has just, you know, also been probably a little bit lucky. So what we're suggesting here is that Oregon is actually the much better team, despite the one loss and despite that loss against Washington. But again, they are nine point favorites looking at where the action is currently at. And we're seeing about 65 percent of all bets on the Ducks right now at Bavada. We'll go from Sin City to Hotlanta, Georgia, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the number one team in the nation, the Georgia Bulldogs taking on number eight, Alabama. This is a chance for Alabama to get into that playoff. They'll need to win against an amazing Georgia team. Yeah, death taxes and Georgia-Alabama in the SEC championship game. Uh, once again, uh, two of the best teams in football, two teams that we expect to be uh, in this conference championship game, if not the college football playoff itself each year are right back where they're expected. And uh, it's been an interesting season for both of these two teams. You have Alabama, who lost early on to Texas, uh, took about a third of the season to figure out who their QB was, almost lost to South Florida, uh, almost lost to uh, Auburn this past weekend as well. Uh, and yet this Georgia team, despite being 12-0, and despite being the number one ranked team for, I think, the majority of the season, if not all of it, uh, they've had a lot of tight games themselves. They have not looked nearly as dominant compared to uh, the rest of the field in what has really been a wide open year. So uh, despite Alabama's struggles, uh, you know, Georgia comes into this one in Atlanta as only four point favorites, which would be, of course, their lowest spread of the year so far. Uh, because that spread is that low, it is attracting attracting a good deal of love. As a result, 80 percent of all bets so far right now are on Georgia at Bavada. We can't forget the NFL. There's a marquee matchup, and again, it involves those Philadelphia Eagles. They are 10-1, and 
five and zero at home, and they host the San Francisco 49ers, one of their top challengers in the NFC. Yeah, Seth, this is uh, easily, easily the game of the week in the NFL, and um, I think people are going to be a little bit surprised when they look at uh, where the odds are. Um, you know, the 49ers come into this one uh, the healthiest they've been all year. Debo Samuel's back. Purdy's looking good under center. CMC is looking okay. Uh, the Eagles, um, one of the best Super Bowl losing records of any team since uh, I think the 90s Bills they referenced on Sunday Night Football uh, coming into this one with just a single loss. Usually uh, you see quite the Super Bowl slump for uh, teams that uh, do lose the Super Bowl, often many of them not even making the playoffs again. That said, despite the Eagles being the home team, the 49ers are actually the favorite in this one. They are two and a half point road favorites right now. And um, the betters seem to agree with that. We're seeing about 70% of all bets on the 49ers money line and minus two and a half point spread right now at Bovada. Let me ask you this. Who are the 2024 favorites in men's tennis that my listeners should look at? Uh, you know, one of my favorite things about Seth, uh, well, sorry, one of my favorite things about tennis, Seth, is the variety of surfaces that come into play in all the different majors. And boy, we do love majors because they play those very, very appropriate three out of five sets. Looking at uh, the odds for each individual tournament, which we have uh, up for all four majors in 2024, it's Alcaraz, it's Djokovic. They're both one and two in each of these upcoming uh, 2024 events. But it is interesting to see uh, the contrast between, let's say, hardcourt, for example. So Djokovic is the favorite in the men's uh, US Open and the Australian Open. However, uh, unsurprisingly, Alcaraz is the favorite on clay in the French Open, just like Nadal. And he is also the ever slight favorite at uh, the Wimbledon Futures odds right now over Djokovic, which suggests that his ability to play the grass with still plays fast, but doesn't bounce as high trends a little bit uh, more in Alcaraz's uh, favor. So what you're really seeing across all four of those majors is it's Alcaraz, it's Djokovic, and then it's everybody else. Uh, it's incredible to see Djokovic keep doing what he's doing uh, at his age, but Alcaraz is just going to keep pushing him, keep pushing him. And at such a young age, uh, Alcaraz is really maybe the first guy to uh, challenge uh, Djokovic uh, consistently because um, it seems like he's for real. Um, looking at the very first tournament coming up, though, with the Aussie Open, uh, we have Alcaraz getting the most amount of bets and uh, Yannick Sinner as well getting a, a good deal of interest early at Bovada. Listen, if I, uh, yeah, Skip Bayless says every game should just be a tiebreaker. It should go right to tiebreaker. Think of that. Every point would matter so much. <laughs> you get people out of the stands more. You get, uh, you know, more matches in, more betting. Well, you know, one of the things we talked about with Patrick McEnroe is if you think about tennis's popularity, the majors are doing fine. Is mm. it important for tennis to become more popular in the other tournaments, the Indian Wells, the Parabas Open, you know, the, the other tournaments? And they're just they're just small. We don't talk about them on this show. We don't talk about them on other sports, but if you think about it, if you love the competition, maybe it's not all the players, but a lot of the top players face off. So if you have a match, Carlos Alcaraz against Taylor Fritz, let's just say, or Yannick Sinner against uh, uh, Francis Tiafo, whomever it is, you're seeing these great matches and they're buried. They're on tennis channel and, 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 and they're, they're in the middle of the day and you never know where they are, but the majors come. And it's everybody drops everything for the French Open. It's it's a weird yeah. dichotomy. And is it important for tennis to get to that? Is that the next level of popularity where smaller tournaments get better viewpoints? Um, 
Hard to say. I mean, I, I think uh, a lot of those smaller tournaments still do okay from an attendance uh, point of view. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to ratings and getting people broadly uh, engaged, uh, it's a little more difficult. But what tennis also has a bit of a problem with is, uh, unless it's the championship or the first match of each day, you can't always set your watch to it. So you'll have some version of Nadal is playing early and Djokovic is playing later. And you'll have some version of it'll start no later than this, but it could start earlier than that. Or it'll start no earlier than this and it could be later. So there's also, uh, you know, some of these matches that it might start at five, but they might be playing at six or seven instead. Um, I would say when it comes to the smaller tournaments, I love going to the smaller tournaments uh, in person. I've been to uh, one of the ATPs in Germany. I had plans to go to uh, Rome as uh, one of the clay events uh, just before the French Open. So I, I think when you see... Um, Tourney just before a Masters, uh, sorry, before a Major. Those are those are great ones. Like Cincinnati, I think is good. I'm paying attention to Cincinnati because if I'm betting U.S. Open, that's usually the last tune-up was the word I was looking for before. But that's the last major tune-up for okay, who's really on their game now on hard court right now? And usually the big guys do not skip that last tune-up tournament. Now, if it's a grass uh, tournament four weeks before Wimbledon, uh, there's a chance that Djokovic doesn't go. There's a chance Nadal doesn't go. Alcaraz doesn't go. And then as a result. Well, whoever wins that one and does well and makes a great run on that is kind of less impactful. But, um, you know, and, and we kind of uh, we suffer from that on in Montreal when it comes to the Rogers Open uh, tennis with the men and women in that um, Cincinnati is more attractive for players as a tune of the U.S. Open. So we don't get the best players come play in the Rogers uh, Open in uh, Montreal or Toronto when they play in either of those two cities. So I, I think that's tough as well. It's it's also what it's going up against. Tennis is it's year round. Um, when it's the summer season, um, I'm hanging out, I'm watching tennis during the day while I'm doing my reporting. It's tennis, it's baseball and it's golf on the TV. And if it's a good match, I'll, I'll tune in, but otherwise, yeah, it's the majors. But again, it's, it's also just diminishing time. Um, like the Australian open, it's a major. I will watch. Well, I'll night. get up for the fun. I'll, I'll get, I'll get up for the final. And I'll destroy some brain cells along the way getting up for it. But it's it's just it's difficult to keep on top it's of. Hard. I love tennis too. I love tennis is one of the few sports that I enjoy almost entirely as a fan. I know there are some betting angles there, but I've purposely not tried to dive too much into them because I'm trying to enjoy it just more as a fan. But it's uh it's difficult. In the same way that being like an F1 fan, I think, is probably difficult with uh where they are all over the place. But I don't know. F1 in Vegas, though, that was interesting. That was that was interesting. I don't think the locals liked it too much, but I think overall, uh, I think overall, it was probably pretty successful. That'll do it for the Bavada at Odds podcast, Patrick. We'll see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. 